<laughs> hey! <Yeah>. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. That's good. Thank you. So, this may be a shorter episode. That may be normal. It depends. Uh, kind of depends on battery life. I have the charger for my laptop, but it's on the other side of the room, and I'm not, I'm not getting up to get it. So whatever the battery allows for, that's what we'll do. I got a couple things on my mind. Uh, I'm gonna start. I don't want to name names. I had a conversation with someone. I want to keep it broad, so I'm not even going to say friend or not friend. I had a conversation with somebody about the podcast and about how it was going and the growth and listenership and feedback and all that stuff. And they made the comment, I don't think I've even, well, I haven't. I haven't told David about this. I don't think he cares. That something along the lines of like David's extreme views haven't deterred people from paying attention to it. And I laughed because I thought they were being sarcastic and and I was like, no, you know, I don't, his, his views aren't really that extreme. And the person said, like, oh, but aren't they, you know, with like, like the side eye. And again, like I kind of thought it was just funny but it wasn't and it ended up becoming like a short conversation about it and I didn't think much of it at the time but shit like that ends up getting stuck in my head sometimes and I end up thinking about it when I'm super bored you know especially like at work and I tried to think of how someone comes to the conclusion that David's views would land in the realm of extreme. Because the one thing that I've noticed from doing the podcast is that David will often get shit from other red-blooded Americans for being too easygoing on his beliefs. Like, he's not Republican enough. He's not right-wing enough to where he's made it sound like they're almost, like, pushing him out of the party. Like, you don't belong here. And the people doing that I wouldn't call extreme either. 
they're they're further to that side than David would be. But when you say like that guy is a right wing extremist, if you were to introduce someone to me as that, I would think, okay, extremist. So this guy is blowing up abortion clinics. This guy is building a bunker under his house with hundreds of thousands of rounds of ammo. And that's not David at all. And the point of this isn't let's defend David. I don't think he needs me to defend him. I don't think he wants me to. It's more of where in in the grand view of the world do you see David, even as someone who completely disagrees with David, but you see that as extreme. Is it just extreme to you because it's an opposition to you? So you're pro-choice. David is pro-life. But that's kind of where it ends. He's not forcing pro-life on someone. That's just his belief. It's the same as your belief is pro-choice. But I don't think David would look at your pro-choice and say that you're being extreme. So if we put David as an extremist, where does everybody else go that is further beyond than he is? Is there an, is there a level beyond extreme? Because the word that gets used and has been used for a long ass time, any like radical activist is an extremist which is obviously from the word extreme. And, you know, we've had conversations about guns and we've had conversations about, uh, my memory is terrible, but, you know, we've had conversations. And not only is he completely capable of having a conversation and talking about how he feels, he's also always been accepting of Mike having a different point of view or me not agreeing with him at all. So I kind of would like to know, and maybe it'll come up. I think we have chicken broccoli tomorrow. Like what would an extremist be to David on the other side? But are we at a point where someone disagrees with you. So the fact that they have an opposing point of view means that their thought is extreme. I'm sure that everyone that believes one way is, is aware that there are other people that believe the other way, but isn't that just two versions of normal? If we make it simple, you know, there's there's the Democratic way of thinking and a re- Republican way of thinking. And 
just split it and say 50% of the people are one way and 50% of the people are the other. If somebody lands on that 50%, that's a plain, bland, boring, vanilla, one of two things. There's no extreme about it unless you're so focused on your own thoughts and your own beliefs being the only possibility that anything slightly different from that is so wild to you that you must classify it as extreme. What I think might be happening is that people hear that someone thinks a certain thing or someone feels a certain way. And from just that snippet or that soundbite or that sentence, they apply a bunch of other uh, characteristics to that person. Which is kind of the entire point of the podcast is here's different points of view and here's why we think that way. I think it's, it's kind of boring and pointless to just say, I feel this way. I think this way and not explain how you got there or why you think that. But I would hope that people could come to the podcast and just be like, Oh, I get Like, I get what this person is saying, but I don't agree with it. But it's beneficial to me to understand what half of the population thinks about this. There's a lot of misunderstanding, a lot of miscommunication, a lot of, oh, I'm not going to be your friend anymore because you feel a certain way. A lot of times if you listen to why someone feels that way or the direction that their life has led them to make them see things the way that they do. It's a lot easier to be like, Oh, like, okay. Like you haven't convinced me to join your side, but I do see situations where this way of thinking isn't as horrendous as I thought in this, in this scenario, in your scenario, I do kind of see why you feel the way that you feel the person that, this came from is not necessarily the person that I'm talking about. If if that makes sense. The person that made this comment about David, I think is very competent and very smart and very capable of making their own decision about stuff. And I don't think that it was, it wasn't even an attack on David. It was meant as like a lighthearted joke but it reminded me that I've heard that and I'm sure that he has too and it's just a weird I mean I guess I've heard the same thing about Mike from you know the other side but I wouldn't put Mike as an extremist on the left either like he's not forcing you to not have your baby is that right I don't this shit gets too confusing um 
I'm going to give some. What would Mike be doing? Yeah, he'd be forcing you to make a choice about whether you want to have your baby or not. Right? Like if you wanted to have your baby and you're pro-life and you know you're going to have it, Mike would force you to think about both sides of the issue and make a decision. Would that be extreme, an extremist pro-choice stance? Like you must think of both sides first? Or would extremist pro-choice be you have to abort the baby? Because that's, that's not a choice either. That would be like pro-abortion. Like only, like only abortion, abortion for everyone, no matter what. That's extreme, right? Pro forced abortion of all your children. I think China does that shit, right? If you're a girl, you got to kill it. And China would probably fall under extreme. David and China, not the same thing. Mike and China. Not the same thing. I'm going to give some relationship advice. Because I've noticed friends of mine that are women that have issues with their boyfriends or their husbands or friends of mine that are dudes that have issues with their girlfriends or their wives. You know, I don't. that's a long way to say Friends of mine that have issues with their... Because I made it totally straight. I didn't give the option for homosexual relationships. So this could apply to men that have issues with men. But I think that what I'm going to talk about, being gay would be a huge advantage in this situation because communication between man to man or female to female there may be a closer mindset than male to female. Because the issue definitely seems to stem from a male outlook on, on life, on relationships, compared to the female. So if you're gay, you can skip to the next part. Or you could listen and maybe learn something about your heterosexual friends and their relationships. But if you're the gay dude in this situation, you probably hear about it all the time anyway. I'm tired. I'm 15 minutes in, it feels like an hour. What was I going to talk about? If. No, not if. Not if. So the problem that I often hear about from both sides is my what's what side do I want to start with Jesus I apologize for this either you're laughing at this or you're super fucking irritated but I'm not editing it I'm not cutting it out this is just part of the thought process like brainstorming women when they want to talk about their relationships 90% of the time, especially as I've gotten older, especially in the last 10 years. So we're talking about adult relationships, not 
I'm 22 and I'm having a bad relationship. Of course you are. You're, you're 22. You're going to have tons of bad relationships. You would expect to grow out of that and you and the other that you're trying to date would have had bad relationships, learn from them, grown from them. What I keep hearing is the woman has an issue with the dude. And she has told the dude what the issue is. Usually multiple times. Let me stop here. If you haven't even gotten to this part in your relationship, then you haven't had conversations with your significant other. So if your significant other has never told you something that they're unhappy about or that they would like to work on, you need to get to that point now. Just turn it on right now and start having conversations about your relationship. So we're just going to skip ahead to the point where you're doing that. No one can fix the shit that they're doing wrong if they don't know that they're doing it. And they're not going to know that they're doing it unless you tell them that they're doing it. Where the problem arises, and this seems to be unique to the female point of view to the dude, because I'll get to it. Dudes don't pay attention. Woman will voice problem to dude. Dude blows it off. Dude does nothing. Woman will voice it again later. Dude blows it off. Dude does nothing. The woman must make it known to the dude that this is a serious problem. Your your boyfriend, your husband is never... Well, I can't say never, right? But we're going to... If I say never or always for the rest of this conversation, just know that I mean most of the time, high probability. Like I can't say never, 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 but there's a high chance that your dude is just oblivious to what your problem is, even though you've told him about it you have to find a point between mentioning it and nagging about it. Because if you nag about it over and over and over, he's going to get really fucking irritated that you keep bringing up this dumb shit. If you never bring it up, he's never going to know. If you bring it up once and then you don't bring it up again for two more months, that two month gap between when you brought it up before and then you brought it up again That was two months of you not bringing it up. So he thinks it's not a big deal. You have to be able to convince him that, hey, like, we need to sit down. We need to talk. It doesn't have to be dramatic. It doesn't have to be we're breaking up. But it has to be you need to know that I'll probably want out of this relationship if you don't do something about this. Most likely, 
if you can get him to take you seriously, he will hear you. And then if he decides to do something about it, a week or two will go by. Maybe he's been better about whatever it is. If you don't tell him, Hey, I've noticed that you haven't been doing that thing. Like, thank you. You, you listen to me. You've been making an effort. Like I appreciate it. If you don't even bring up positive reinforcement, he's going to think that you forgot about it. He's going to think that it's not that big of a deal to you. You brought it up. You talked about it. Even though you told him it's a big ass deal. There's something about most dudes. They, there's, there's a fine line between they don't really give a shit and they don't think it's a big deal. You have to, to find a way to make him understand that this shit is a big deal. I see so many relationships that go deep, like years in. And the same issue that the woman had with you six months in, she's still having four years in. And that could be something minor. And if it is something minor, as a dude you should just address it and fix it. You don't want your girlfriend having multiple minor issues with you. If it's something that is minor to you that you could easily fix and she doesn't have to worry about it anymore, just fix it. I know that it's not something that men generally like to do to go out of their way to have a conversation with their girlfriend or their wife. But you could be proactive about this shit. You could go right now and be like, hey, I listened to this podcast today, and this dude just mentioned that like, maybe there's some things that we don't talk about a lot that really bother you or only minorly bother you. And like, I don't want little random shit existing in our relationship that we could easily take care of. Like, what are some of these things? It gives you a perfect way to bring it up. So many times you see a relationship end and you go to the, to the woman and you say, hey, like, what happened? And she says, well, I had this problem and this problem and I told him over and over and over and he never did anything about it. Then you go to the dude and you're like, hey, what happened? And he says, I don't know. She was unhappy with me and I, I never knew. And she never told me all the fucking time. So you could hope that your dude would hear you or you could go make sure that he knows it's kind of your responsibility. That sounds shitty. Like it's not your responsibility as a woman to go make sure that your man understands you. But if you want a long lasting, happy relationship, then it kind of is something you have to just do. And as a dude hearing this, I'll just go ahead and tell you there are things. And I would be awfully suspect suspect. If I were to go to my girlfriend and be like, Hey, 
what are some things that I can do better? Or what are some things that you really, you know, have taken issue with? And she's like, oh, nothing. Like, everything's great. That's her trying to bury the conversation. She doesn't want to talk about it. She's not ready to talk about it. She doesn't know how to talk about it. Dudes, think about your girlfriend and all the problems that you have with her. And all the things that you wish that you could talk to her about that maybe she could address. You know there's things. No matter how good your relationship is, which I'm not trying to say all y'all have horrible relationships. I'm just saying there are minor things that you could do today, immediately, that probably wouldn't impact your life at all that would make your relationship better. Uh, one of the more recent chicken broccolis with uh, Mike and Cat, that episode where we talked about uh, like old sitcoms from the 80s and 90s where the dude hates his wife and the wife doesn't understand her husband. And we were like, you know, if you're in that kind of relationship, like get out, find someone that is better suited to you. That that conversation that we had kind of stuck with me and it kind of led into all this because I do know people that every time I talk to them, they tell me the same thing. Like, hey, man or woman, how are you? And they're like, oh, great, but, you know, things with my significant other, like he, she's doing this. And it's like, oh, you told me about that six months ago for friends I've had longer. It's like, oh, yeah, you... You had that problem four years ago, and you haven't done anything about it yet. Yeah, it's really shitty that, like, your husband has a porn addiction, but yes, he should handle that himself, but he's not going to. And you letting him off the hook is not going to benefit either one of you and you're going to be 50 years old in a massive fucking empty hole. And you could have done something about it 20 years ago. Not every relationship is hopeless, but you got to be able to talk to each other. And as a, helpful piece of advice for the dudes listening. If your girlfriend has told you something or the next time that your girlfriend comes to you with a problem, if you realize that this is the third, fifth, 10th time that you've heard this, that's a, that's a divorce or a breakup down the line. Or it's just an unhappy marriage for the rest of your life. If you've heard the same thing multiple times, think about all the times that it's been on her mind that she hasn't said something about it and how you would feel if it was swapped around and how it would eat away at you and 
beat you down and wear you out. Your girlfriend generally won't want to hurt your feelings. So if she brings this up and she realizes that it's making you feel bad or it's upsetting you, she's going to regret having brought it up. And she's going to be like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. And you, as the shitty dude that you are, is going to be like, oh, okay, it's not a good, it's not a big deal. And you will shut that shit off and not think about it again. She's going to go to bed thinking about it. And she's going to wish that she could have had a different conversation with you that turned out different. But you got angry or you got upset and the conversation ended for you. And now you go about your day, you leave for the weekend, you go do your shit with your friends. It hasn't left for her. And you're going to regret that shit five years down the road or a year down the road. And she's going to break up with you for it. And then you're going to realize, oh shit, this thing she's been telling me about all this time, it actually was a big deal. And then you know what you're going to do? You're going to cry and you're going to be fucking embarrassing and you're going to beg and you're going to crawl back over and over saying, you can fix it. You can fix it. You can be better. And she's going to be like, no, no, all these, all these dudes are after me now. I haven't felt this way in so long. They make me feel good about myself. They make me feel pretty. They take me out. They show me off. What do you do? You take me to KFC and you buy me shoes from Rack Room. It's not going to fucking last the way that you think it's going to last. And if it does, that girl that you say that you love, you have just killed all the life in her. And you're just going to suck that life out for the next 30, 40 years as you both slowly hate each other or she's going to hate you. That's the shitty thing about this is that generally speaking, the dude will be fine with the shitty, boring life. He's fine to come home and someone's there. A man isn't looking for the same thing out of a relationship generally that a woman is. Women want different things And so you coming home after your nine to five and grunting at her and watching TV is fine for you because you kind of get everything. You have a quiet, maybe like submissive wife that we'll just use a random example, like the all American shit. Like you come home from work and she has food on the table and she begrudgingly like has sex with you. There are so many men that that's, that's fine. That's great for them. It's, it's consistent. It's routine. It's easy. That dude generally isn't in love with that woman. That woman is just easing the burden on that dude's life. But she's doing it at her expense. You can take that scenario and apply it to whatever your specific life is. But if you think that that applies to you, you kind of have to ask yourself, why am I doing this to her? And like, yeah, you're used to it. Maybe you hate your life and you hate your job, but are you dragging her down 
with you. And yes, it is on her to remove herself from the situation. But when she does go to remove herself, remove herself, you're going to lose your shit. And you're going to think your whole world is falling apart. You're going to do everything you can to win her back. And a lot of the times you will win her back because women just can't help themselves. Sometimes, okay, sometimes, not all of you, but they're going to come back to you and things are going to be great for two months. And then as the dude, you're going to realize, you know, not consciously, subconsciously, I fixed the problem. I did better. I don't have to continue to do better. That took a lot of effort. Being a better person, being a better husband, a better boyfriend, that was effort that I wasn't willing to give forever. I was only willing to give it long enough to get you back. And now that I got you back, I can go back to being how I was. You'll get six more months. You'll get a couple more years out of it. You're going to go through it again. Or you're going to be unhappy forever in this Oh man, just think about so much can be solved within yourself by taking any situation that you're in and looking at it from the opposite point of view. Think about how you would feel in that situation or take your life and pretend like your friend is describing it to you. And then what advice would you give your friend? That would be the advice for you, but you're not going to take it and you're not going to do it. And you're going to end up unhappy and alone. I would say most, a, a, a lot, a good amount of my male friends having, wow, I can't say that. Oof. your girlfriends are not hideous creatures. And I won't, I don't want to over compliment them and make you mad. And I, I don't want to do that. Some of you guys got very, I don't want to say lucky because a lot of you guys deserve the mates that you have paired with. But just know that your wife or your girlfriend could go anywhere at any moment and find another dude. They could go to a fucking grocery store. They could go to a bar. They could go to the fucking welfare line, the soup kitchen. It doesn't fucking matter. They could go to a country club or a dumpster behind a bar they will find a dude that's interested in them. It means almost nothing to them. Maybe they're not going to like them. I'm not saying women can just find a dude that they love and they want to spend their life with. But you are the replaceable one. If we're just talking about, I need a girlfriend. You cannot walk up to any girl that you want and be like, hey, you want to 
you want to hang out? I mean, you, you can walk up to them and ask them that. You're not guaranteed more than... I mean, it would scale with how much money you have and how attractive you are. But let's just say you have a 15... You have a 10% chance that a girl will agree to go out with you. A woman can just point at a dude. I know this is like very overgeneralizing, but it's not exactly wrong. I mean, I've seen this happen. I know that this, everybody, I don't feel like I need to explain myself to you. A woman can just be like, hey, do you want to go out sometime? And a dude would just be like, yeah. The dude would be so shocked by the fact that some woman approached him and asked him out that he would just, oh, yeah, of course. Why, why wouldn't I? It could be the ugliest dude in the room or the most attractive dude in the room. It makes no difference, generally. I don't feel like I need to keep adding that because it's not always the case. But back to the point. You do as the as the male carry the burden to keep the relationship happy. Both of you guys can do shitty shit to each other. Both of you can be cheaters, liars, drug addicts, necrophiliacs, whatever it is that you're into, horse skinners or cow. I'm changing it to horse because I like the visual of the horse over the cow. But where was I? Think about, was that like a Tim and Eric? Was it think, think about your dad? Anyway, everything that I've just said, also just take it and flip the male and the female aspect of it. it. Cause it does work both ways. And you are more familiar with your relationship than I am. And I'm not necessarily speaking to just the men, but all of you, everyone just have this conversation. And if you already hear this and you already know, like, Oh yeah. Like I've heard about this thing a lot. If you're unwilling to change it, Maybe check and see with the other, like, how big of a problem is this? Is this a minor annoyance that you've just decided that you're going to live with forever? Then that can be something that, like, that's normal. It is a minor thing that you do that I don't really like. It comes and it goes. We're talking about, like, the one step beyond that. Anyway, moving on. I just saw... Like a day, this article was on the 26th. So, yeah, yesterday. Um, the new species of dinosaur was discovered down in Argentina. And it's like a smaller T-Rex, but it has no arms. So, you know, the T-Rex has the little, can I say midget arms? Can you? I can't say that. Tiny little these are like nub arms so 
I saw the picture and I immediately thought it looks like a snake with, well, okay. So it has back legs, but the front arms are completely useless. And apparently the only way that this thing was able to catch food was only with its jaws. So it's not pouncing. It's not grabbing. It's eating just by biting. Just like a snake. And pythons actually have tiny vestigial legs. I don't know if... That's a commonly known thing, but if you go and grab your python and look at it, right by, well, I don't know how technical y'all want me to get, all of the snake's business is done through an opening called the cloaca. So they're pooping their pee, <laughs> to, to use a technical term. It comes out as one thing called urea, and it, it's, their, it's their poop and their pee in one substance. It's not a separate entity. <laughs> but their junk also comes out of the same opening. So it's like an all-in-one thing. If, if they're going to fuck, it's called a hemipenis, a hemipene. That comes out of their cloaca. And then it enters the female's cloaca. And if you've never seen what a snake penis looks like, you should Google it because it is intense. It's one of the weirdest. It's not what you think it's going to look like. But regardless, next to that opening, on pythons, there are two tiny little spurs. And when you look at their bone structure, there are two little tiny leg bones remnants of you know David I'm sorry but their evolutionary progress and this part of the snake looks like the same part of that dinosaur but they're like backwards right one's the arms and one's the leg but I hadn't really thought about the snakes having legs thing in a long ass time and after I saw the article about the dinosaur, which if anybody cares, uh, what is it? I mean, does anybody care? Right. Uh, Guimacea ochaya is this dinosaur that they found. I don't see a common name of what they're calling it. Hmm. But apparently this thing dates all the way back to Pangaea, which was when all our continents were together in one big piece before they split up. And if you're curious about the continents, you could listen to the last episode of the Chicken and Broccoli podcast where we go in-depth about all the continents and what they're called and where they are. But the snake thing, I was like, oh, I want to look at the picture of it. Just because I hadn't seen it in a while. And this article popped up 
about why they have them, the vestigial legs, and what it means. And apparently snakes possess the ability to grow legs. But during their embryonic development, the gene which would switch on to, say, grow legs is turned off. If it was turned on, snakes would grow legs, which is fucking crazy. And apparently, you know, there are no vestigial front legs. This would just be rear legs, which is what the dinosaur has. Rear legs, but no front legs. They're both reptiles. So there's geneticists that study this shit every day, day in, day out. And you can isolate specific properties that exist by specific DNA sequences. So there are specific ways that DNA lines up that tells shit to start and tells shit to stop. And it's possible to kind of lay these DNA sequences out and see where one particular trait starts and one stops and kind of like cut those out. And you can do that over and over and over. And you can break down like every individual trait that you may want to look at. And they have found the exact gene that turns on or off snake rear limb development. And apparently in the fertilization for the first 24 hours, this gene is on. So Snake, male snake fertilizes female snake's egg. Just like, just like with people, same thing. That's how we get those lizard men that live in the core of the earth. But even more interesting, that moment of fertilization where life would begin. If you're, you know, depending on your stance. Conception. For 24 hours, that leg gene is on by default. And something happens that shuts it off. So when they examine very beginning stages, because I guess they found ways to fuck with this gene and leave it on, they are seeing like full skeletal development of legs. And when scientists find these genes that control certain things, they're allowed to name the gene. And this specific limb development gene is called Sonic Hedgehog. So throughout the article, there's references to Sonic Hedgehog. So let me 
He explains that in limbed vertebrates, sonic hedgehog controls the development of many organs, not just arms and legs. DNA regulatory sequences called enhancers control the way these genes switch on and off for specific body parts. Without an enhancer for limbs, sonic hedgehog could not make them fully develop. The researchers found that several sections of DNA and that enhancer were deleted at some point during Python evolution. The same sections were deleted in the DNA sequences of boa constrictors, and the results are even more pronounced in snakes that no longer have any vestiges of legs at all, such as cobras and vipers. Their sonic hedgehog limb enhancer was almost undetectable, so this tells us that there has been sequential degradation of sonic hedgehog in the limbs and snakes. And then it goes on to say that uh, about the skeletal structure, there's a gene called HOXD that is involved in making fingers and toes. And that while studying the python embryos, we saw a pattern of activity of this gene that was characteristic of a foot, which is really strange because pythons don't build feet. And then he and a fellow researcher found that embryonic pythons make a precartilaginous model of all the skeletal elements of the limb. They start forming a complete leg all the way down to the foot. And that the sonic hedgehog limb enhancer ultimately doesn't allow this limb to continue to grow. So after you have this conversation with your husband or your wife, you can let them know that snakes have legs. You just can't see them. And if that doesn't solve your marital problems, I don't I don't think anything's gonna. And if anyone has questions about reptile reproductive organs, feel free to just send me a DM 